Welcome to Smart Parent Successful Students Podcast. I'm your host, Helen Panos. I run a tutoring company for K through 12 students who need help with reading, math, writing, study skills, ACT, SAT, prep, and more. My tutors work both virtually and in person. We specialize in really getting to know your kids and helping them thrive. I was a teacher and leader in a Georgia school system for 25 years. I saw what worked and what didn't. And there are definitely some gaps that teachers can't touch, which is why our tutors are so important. Teachers can only do so much. I'm here to bridge that gap between parents and teachers to help your kids become successful in school and beyond. everybody and welcome back to our smart parents successful students podcast and this is helen and i am here with another guest today akua walker welcome akua to the show hello so glad to be here thank you for having me well so so grateful to have you on i'm, I'm so happy and i know you're on a california time zone <laughs> <laughs> yes so I wanted to uh, share with parents, I think what you do is extremely important. And I wanna share, first of all, your, your bio with the audience, and then we can get into the questions. Um, but as a child development nurse practitioner, Akua diagnoses and treats children with developmental delays, mental health challenges, parent coaching, wife and mother. She's been, she has been Akua Walker's passion to, it's been her passion to support parents and understanding their children and knowing what to do in the toughest of moments. Uh, trained at Stanford University and UCSF, Akua brings together her expertise in child development and health behavior with practical reality of daily life with two children into the Be Calm system to help parents find the calm and joy, Woo, who doesn't want that, in parenting <laughs> yes. that they have always desired. Yes, who doesn't mm. want that? Yeah. <laughs> Learn more through her podcast, which we'll talk about during this uh, show. Uh, it's mm. called Moms Changing the World and website is called BeCalmParenting.com, which we'll go over again at the end. Well, welcome. Um, I'm so happy to have you on here. I know I was on your podcast and I'm I, I appreciate you returning the favor and coming on mine. Oh, absolutely. Yes. I, uh, you know, listen in on yours and I love, you know, all the amazing tips that you're sharing with parents and families and educators. So thank you. Oh, you're welcome. And um, first I wanted to start off by asking you to share with the audience, tell us a little bit about your journey and to what got you to where you are today. I think a little bit of that might've been in the bio, just a tad, but you might want to right. elaborate. Right. Sure. Sure. Happy to. Well, you know, I was one of those kids that just always loved um, development. Like I was an older sister. So I remember when my brother was born, he was, you know, eight years younger than me. I kind of got to watch him grow up and I, I you know, was kind of nerdy enough that as soon as I could read the parents magazine that would come to the house, I don't know if anybody still gets parents magazine or goes online to the parents, you know, magazine, but I would like flip through it because I'm like, oh my goodness, they're talking about how children, how babies grow, how, how I'm growing. And I couldn't believe that somebody out there knew what was going on in like my, my, my body, my brain, my brother, my sister. 
And so it, it was a seed that was planted very early on with babysitting and, and being, um, you know, just a sibling in my home. But, mm. you know, my interest in children's learning really blossomed um, after college. I did child development classes and I wanted to do some AmeriCorps time. And so I was placed at a school, a local school to where I was in the Bay Area. And it gave me the chance to be um, a support for a literacy coach. And that was my first taste into kind of how children are learning and when they encounter struggles, what do we do to support them? You know, how can we help children with their reading and their learning skills and their executive functioning? I didn't, we didn't call it that back then, but those were the kinds of things that would come up quite a bit. And so then I, being interested in health education, I was a health educator after that. And so that's where I really kind of honed in on my coaching skills around uh, healthy eating, life, mm-hmm. you know, folk, uh, exercise, um, wellness, and those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. And I discovered that the nurse practitioner role really brought together, you know, the best of health behavior and medication assessment and diagnosis and mm-hmm. coaching and counseling and education. And so I decided to go back to school to become a nurse practitioner in pediatrics. And then, you know, with my interests and background kind of found my way to child development which is where kind of everything kind of integrates together. So um, as a child development, you know, nurse practitioner, as you mentioned, you know, I get to work with children who have differences in how they're learning and growing and talking and moving. And and then uh, from there, I wanted to support parents even more, especially when things are stressful and, and they're getting support for their child. But they would often ask me, what about me? Like, who helps me or what can I do? you know, as my child is struggling in the moment. And so that's when I decided to create Be Calm Parenting and also have the podcast, Moms Changing the World, to Mm. interview and support uh, moms in the trenches as we're trying to juggle all of these different things um, to to help raise world changers ourselves. Wow, that's awesome. Uh, And kudos to you for being a nurse practitioner, especially during this time. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh, yeah. Yes. It's been really, really fascinating to see. I think where we saw kids were just kind of hanging in the balance before, and we were seeing a lot of needs before. Um, everything just really was pushed to the forefront, as you know, in this mm-hmm. in this work, in this field with mental health compounding, you know, the issues that were all maybe un- bubbling just under the surface before. Interesting. That. Yeah, definitely a lot of mental health and teachers having to deal with that when they're really not trained to deal with mental health. <laughs> Let me yeah. just add that. <laughs> right. It's like trial. Um, yeah. Try on the job training. <laughs> yes. For that. Uh, trial and error. <laughs> <laughs> right. And I'm, I, unfortunately, I think I'm starting to see it in a lot of adults too, for yeah. sure. Yeah. Um, parents, parents have their own mental health, right? That there's, you know, juggling with in addition to their children. So that's why I mm-hmm. love being able to do both. Mm-hmm. So tell us a little bit about what is neurodiversity? I know we're going to get into that a little bit here. So let's start off and make sure our audience knows what that is. Sure, sure. So neurodiversity is a term that's kind of grown in popularity over the last couple of years because it's a great umbrella term for brain differences. And so um, children and adults, you know, can encounter 
differences and in, in kind of how the brain is working or functioning or coordinating or how the senses are being interpreted and integrating. And, you know, our brain is really an amazing network of highways, you know, and it's pretty mm-hmm. incredible all the things that it's doing for us, you know, 24 hours a day that we don't even recognize or realize mm-hmm. a lot of the time. And so we, I have to say, we all have neurodiversity because that's how we're all unique in, in, on one hand, right? That's why mm-hmm. we, we, even though we're made up of very similar building blocks, we all are just so unique and individual. And then on top of that, right, we have additional neurodiversity where um, it can be kind of on the extremes of a spectrum that we might think about, right? Where there, most of us bunch up in the middle of, you know, uh, of a spectrum. There's, there's some, some that are considered more kind of on the edges or on the fringes or on the more extremes. And so that's the, the term that we're using commonly now to en- encompass the diversity of brain uh, functioning, of speech, diversity of sensory processing, of you know, social skills that can present as autism or attention and executive functioning itch- issues that you know, we call mm-hmm. ADHD, uh, and then mental health, and then all of that layered and stacked you know, on top of each other means that we, we have a very um, you know, neurodiverse picture that we're working mm-hmm. with and population. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) (laughs) And you see it all the time as well. Yes. uh, From the education standpoint, for sure. (laughs) Um, So if a a parent suspects their child has neurodiversity, what should they do? I'm sure that's the big question. Like, oh, what do I do? I have no idea what's going on here. Right, right. Yes. So you know, oftentimes, you know, parents, I think we have kind of a gut um, instinct when it comes to our children. We often mm. can sense um, just from interacting with them, interacting with other children, right? Interacting just in our world, we can get a sense or a feeling, okay, this feels, this feels like it's, you know, expected, or this feels and sounds like maybe it's not. And so oftentimes mm-hmm. we as parents kind of get that gut feeling, or, you know, we take our kids for regular screenings right here in the, in the States. And if you have insurance, all those things. And so oftentimes a doctor uh, or, you know, your provider or nurse practitioner might, might raise something and ask certain questions that get you thinking, Hmm, you know, maybe there is some difference here compared to what we might expect for, you know, my child at this age or stage in their development. And so I often encourage families to talk to their, you know, primary care provider, because you have a long-term relationship with them and start there, because that is often a good uh, first step to figuring out, okay, this may be more, more, you know, expected or maybe more typical. And so maybe we can try some, you know, some things uh, at school or in the community or some counseling or coaching and see how that goes. Or, you know, the, the provider might say, you know, let's have a specialist take a closer look. And that's where you might get referred to a child development center or a behavioral and developmental pediatrics, you know, um, specialty, you know, such as myself um, to see either a physician, a nurse practitioner or a psychologist in Mm. this field to help you whittle down and decide, okay, this is within the expected. And then this is maybe a little bit beyond where we need to Mm. do some special intervention. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I know y'all are busy. (laughs) 
<laughs> yes, yes. And I'll jump in here too to um, to say that from on the episode that we did, it was my first panel for Moms Changing the World. And what was nice there is we addressed this from you know different perspectives, mm-hmm. right? As a parent, as an educator, and then as a, as a health provider. And I loved that you also encouraged families to go to their teachers, talk to the mm-hmm. teacher talk to the school to see, you know, see what's happening there because children, yeah, don't grow up in a vacuum. They're not only at home. They're not only at school, right? It's a partnership. Mm-hmm. And so right. um, I really appreciated that about, you know, we, our conversation. Yeah. And we're doing more and more of that. You'd be happy yes. to hear that. Um, we're connecting more with uh, the teacher. Cause I think she or he is a huge, <laughs> like huge, um, help and yes, <laughs> what's going on in the academics and it's almost partner. like we've kept them separate all along <laughs> like yeah. okay whatever goes on at the school the parents might hear it from the kid when they come home right right and most children are not commenting about what happened and, and if it's true. something bad are they really going to tell you <laughs> right, right they don't want to bring it up Yes. No. <laughs> yes. And I, I do say a lot to my families that we are, uh, you know, kind of the American system and um, the Western system tends to work in silos. So you have home over here, you have health over here, mm-hmm. your doctor over here, you have your teacher and your school over here. Instead of, yeah, it's very fragmented. And so it, I really encourage parents as the connecting thread, right, to really help you know, bridge all that communication because it really yeah. is a team effort. We have to work together as a team to support that whole child. I agree. Gosh, definitely. I love the way you put that actually. <laughs> Threading it all together. <laughs> so what can a parent do in the heat of the moment? Uh-huh. Yes. So this is a question I love because, you know, as I mentioned earlier, as parents, we all have those moments when our kid is melting down or they don't want to leave the house to go, you know, to school or wherever we need to go, or they don't want to put on their pajamas because they don't want to go to bed. And so oftentimes, you know, we're, we're caught in that, okay, what do I do? And so in really looking at the research and looking at the different strategies that work, um, I put together uh, an acronym that can help parents know, you know, how to be calm. So the letters of be calm stand for B, starting off with breathing, right? So mindfulness is at the foundation of all of this. And mindfulness is simply just an awareness of what's happening in the moment inside my body, outside my body. And a big part of the disconnect, both for children and parents, is that we're disconnected, again, fragmented, right? Mm -hmm. From our our own like physical experience. And that's how we engage with the world, right? Is through this body, through this, through our senses. And so if we can take that breath, take that pause, what happens is we actually kind of stay connected and reconnect to the, that present moment. And it gives us our best chance of being able to move forward in a much more calm and controlled, not, not reactive way, but choosing a response that is more uh, supportive of what happens and what our children need. So the E in be calm is empathy. And as parents, you know, we of course love our children and, um, you know, we, we can some, we can empathize and understand, oh, they don't want to do this, but we really have to lock into feeling it and seeing it from their perspective mm-hmm. and in order to be able to better navigate, um, moving forward again in, in right. you know, calm way. So C stands for connection. 
Right. In those moments, we actually have an opportunity to connect with our child. And this, that connection can make the difference because what I know where I was getting stuck was correction is that we want to correct and we want to fix it and we want to, you know, have them do what we want them to do mm-hmm. or whatever the scenario is. But if we think and take a step again to focus on the connection aspect of what's mm-hmm. going on, then we get uh, then we can connect with their hearts and have a better chance of correcting and moving forward in, instead of butting heads, right? right? And making the whole situation worse. So then A in CALM stands for ask. We're going to be asking, you know, the questions. We're going to get curious, you know, settle into that moment and start to ask, you know, what's going on for the child? What do you mean? Tell me more. Right. So I guide you through some questions that you can ask, um, because often if we if they see us getting curious about what's happening for them, again, it's an opportunity to connect and know that we're with them and not against them. L goes with A for asking the right questions or the best questions. Then we're, we have to listen and we really, mm. are, really have to listen. Ooh, not that's just for a tough the one now. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, yeah, this is the easiest one. <laughs> it should no, be. Right. I know listening is tough. And we are, again, so wanting to correct and tell and talk and teach and parent that we sometimes forget this crucial part. And, and their behavior is communication. And so we cannot forget that behavior is a form of communication, especially if our children are struggling with, you know, speech delays or with emotional regulation or ADHD. Like, you know, it's oftentimes easier to act it out or to behave it out than to Mm -hmm. say it out. So we really have to listen, not just at the surface, but down to the heart of what's actually going on in the moment so that Mm -hmm. by M in calm, we can mend, we can mindfully mend the the situation. So oftentimes we are moving to a place of calm, you know, and restoring the, the, the tantrum or the meltdown, you know, that's happened in the moment. We can start to problem solve. We can access the parts of our brain that help us to mend and fix, you know, what's going on. Because usually it's a, it's a problem or a challenge, a wall that they're hitting. So how do we figure out how to deal with this, this wall or this barrier, this difference, you know, between what they want to do and what we want them to do? And then sometimes we might have to mend with apology or saying, I'm sorry, or, you know, saying, what can I do better next time? Right. And so sometimes it can, some of this happens right away to get through the situation, but some of this has to happen later, maybe that night before bed, when everybody's had some time to re, you know, regroup, recalm, you've done some other things, and then you can be a little more reflective in, in that mindful settling. A special message from Dynamis Learning Academy. We met Michael's mom this week and she complained that Michael has been having trouble for about four years in school. No matter what she did, she couldn't help him and it didn't work. In fact, it would backfire and they would fight. At Dynamis Learning Academy, we do not advocate that parents try to bridge the gap between what they learn at school and what the children should be learning. We do that instead by providing a specific tutor for your child's individual needs. Don't wait until your child is so far behind that it's impossible for them to recover. Reach out to Dynamis Learning Academy today to learn more about our customized tutoring solutions. We can be reached at 770-282-9931. Thank you. 
Would you say in your acronym be calm? Is that M? Is that where then the parent may say, oh, I need some outside help or I need to find another solution? <laughs> I don't know if it's in the yeah. M. Yeah. Because you've write down the listening, the breathing, the empathy. And mm -hmm. actually, I just released a blog on it's five tips for mindfulness. Yes. And the first yes. one was about senses, right? Yes. You were just talking about that. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yep. I read that email. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And yes. that seems to be a very common thing that parents do look at. Um, yes. So would you yes. say it's the M or right after yeah. the M? Probably. Right. Yes, because yes, some of like I said, some of this will happen later, and some of it, if depending on the child's age and stage, you know, you you will do some of the mending with them. But yes, I think some of the mending can also just be personal. It can be with a partner, you know, a spouse. It can be journaling to reflect on what I could do different next time, or what could I could what I liked about what I did, and what I could work on for the next time. And where you're feeling like, okay, I I'm needing more support to do this better, or to do this the way I want to do it or to do this more consistently, that's absolutely where it would show up. Cool. Okay. So parents hear a lot about medication. Oh boy, do they? Yes, they do. <laughs> that's our society. <laughs> and some good, but some not so great, of course. And uh, I know in my own experience, I hear a lot of parents saying they don't want to medicate their children. So mm -hmm. when should a parent consider medication? Yeah, yeah. I know medication is a very sensitive topic. It can get very heated. Um, and I often will talk with families from a, a health perspective, you know, as a, as a health provider in that, you know, children do well when they can, right? I think Ross Green is the uh, author and the, the leader in this is that children do well when they can. And so if we assume that our children are doing the best that they can, Mm -hmm. Right. Then, then it comes, then we approach medication from a different place because, you know, I give the analogy of asthma. If your child has asthma and you tell them during the, you know, intensifying, you know, asthma attack, you tell them to breathe, breathe. They literally cannot breathe because the airways mm -hmm. are closing down. The physical process is taking over. The airways are closing down and it can, in some cases, be a life and death situation. And so then if we can give them the, you know, evidence-based medication that, you know, we've, you know, tested out to make sure it's safe for them to use, that's what literally opens the airways, stops the inflammation that's causing the swelling and the closing and the tightening. And now when we tell them to breathe, they can, because mm -hmm. the physiological process of the airways opening has happened. So now they can put their effort in to match what their body you know, is allowing them to do. Mm -hmm. And so the brain too is an organ that is, is functioning. You know, like I mentioned, like the, the highways and the byways, right? There's so mm -hmm. many connections and there's so many, there's hormones and chemicals and there's all these things going back and forth and happening all the time without us even realizing it. And yeah. it, it, and for a child with executive functioning challenges, for you to tell them, you know, to sit down, you know, you might as well, you know, be telling them to, you know, like to build a house, you know, across the street. I mean, like, you know, it's all, it can feel almost mm. as impossible of a task as that, because mm. again, the physiological, you know, biological aspects of what's happening is beyond them. But then when we give them an evidence-based medication that we've determined to be safe for their system, then those brain connections that were struggling before start to happen easily. And all of a sudden, mm. when you tell them, sit down or follow a direction, now they can put their effort to do well mm -hmm. and work I, with their brain. 
Yeah, I agree. And maybe parents need to look at it more as, I mean, I'm not a big lover of medication. Let's, let right, me say that. Right. But as I think at times, then mm -hmm. a child does need it. It depends where you are. Let's talk about ADHD a second. Where mm -hmm. you are in the different levels of ADHD. If you don't have very much, then strategies probably could help that. Right. Um, and maybe they just don't know any yet. And, right. and once you show them that, it'll help them. But if it's a very extreme, and I've seen this when I was a school teacher, and mm -hmm. it's not changing from sixth grade to seventh grade to eighth right. grade. Right. It's time to really take a look it's at there's a reason why we have medication. Um, you know, I hate to say that, but I know a lot of parents I've sat in 504 meetings where they don't want to medicate them. It changes their diet. It changes their mood, their personality. I've heard it all. Mm -hmm. uh, but I can tell you an example, one where we had a third grader recently in my academy where the parent did finally just uh, change the medicine, actually. And that's mm -hmm. another thing. And boy. He's like hitting home runs now yeah. in baseball. He's yeah. doing amazing because he's been tutored now since September. Yeah. And she's just like so excited. And yes. and I've I've got another parent that's using what's caffeinated water. I didn't even know there was caffeinated <laughs> oh, water. Oh yes. It's she's in our water now. That first. And that's mm. that's great. You start somewhere mm. and see what works and work yeah, your caffeine way out. You yeah. So I, I mean, I think they're going to go to a, possibly a prescription drug, but, um, you know, it's good to start, I guess, down right. here in the work right. strategies and maybe something like a caffeinated water or whatever, before you go into a, you know, right. Right. Our, yeah. Is medication where we start? You know, oftentimes, no, like there's so many other things. And, you know, in addition to, you know, medication that are going to be important because it's not the magic bullet. It's not going to do everything right. The, mm -hmm. There still needs to be environmental, you know, supports put in place mm -hmm. for the child. There still needs to be the parent support there, right. To, to help navigate and orchestrate. There still needs to be skill building, right. right. Learning what the, the skills that are, are struggling or lacking or and how to boost those up like muscles, right? For mm -hmm. the brain. So that take exercise, practice, consistency, discipline, all of those things. And so, yeah, it's, it's one of those things where medication usually isn't the first step. It, you know, it's often right. somewhere down later, once a lot of other things are put in place, a lot of other things are tried, you know, such as a, a 504 or an IEP, some additional testing has happened to verify, you know, exactly mm -hmm. and clarify what's going on. Because the other piece of medication is that there are risks to, you know, to not supporting a child in the way they need. Uh, when they're as as young as possible, right? Because mm -hmm. I, you know, as much as I all see the miracle situations, right, where it's night and day, and we see this improvement with medication, I also see kids struggle, and they struggle, mm -hmm. and they struggle. And so then they come back. And instead of it just being ADHD, now it's ADHD and yes, anxiety. Something. Yeah. Right? And right. because they've fallen behind, it's ADHD, anxiety, and a learning disability. And you, and right. You just and it just keeps it. getting yeah. compounded. I'm glad you said that, Akua. Um, yeah, because I mean, for instance, surgery, a friend of mine's having surgery today. They didn't jump straight into surgery for her neck. They mm -hmm. tried different things first leading up to now it's time for surgery. I mean, right. unless it's something urgent that needs to be taken care of, exactly. I think yeah, there's a, a path. A step. Yes. Yeah, so yeah I'm glad you said that. Yeah, this so is where I would love to have you on a Facebook live soon too. I'll be doing mm. a summer series. So I hope you can join me then, but tell us great. where, uh, parents can reach you call, you know, uh, website, email, yes. phone number. 
Yeah. And I know you got your podcast too. <laughs> that's right. That's right. I love to support families, um, you know, further uh, through uh, my, I have a free webinar that breaks down, you know, be calm, you know, in more detail and gives you some strategies to just start to implement and uh, more details to answer the questions. So you can go to be calm parenting dot com online to find it or if you search be calm in my name akua eKUA last name walker w-a-l-k-e-r it you know should come up and from the free webinar you know if it makes sense for us to work together we can have a strategy session that's also at no cost and we can decide you know how i can best support you moving forward so we'll provide you know the the links for be calm and then also um, I, yeah, you can listen to the podcast moms changing the world and the website is uh, .org for that one. And, um, it's a, it's a great community where we interview moms from around the world who are just doing incredible things. And, and we are linking arms together, you know, as mm-hmm. we, we raise our children one child at a time, one day at a time. That's our yeah. <laughs> yes. That's definitely true. And it does take a village. <laughs> it really does. It really does. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. And uh, I know everything you shared uh, will be very valuable for parents um, in terms of knowledge. So the more you give parents, I say, the better equipped they are to deal with situations that keep occurring. So, well, thank you so much you're and so everybody. Welcome. Oh, you're welcome. Uh, thank you everybody for, for joining us and we will be back again next week with another guest. All righty. Bye for now. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Smart Parents Successful Students Podcast. I hope this episode has been insightful and inspirational. Wherever you're listening, be sure to go ahead and subscribe to get the next episodes and to join our email list by going to www.dynamuslearningacademy.com backslash podcast backslash. Also, it would warm my heart if you reviewed the podcast on Spotify and shared it with your community. And remember... I believe that every child would benefit from getting extra support outside the classroom, whether they are struggling or are part of an advanced or gifted program, because teachers just can't do it all. Please connect with me about our K-12 tutoring, SAT or ACT prep classes, and writing workshops to help your child excel in school. I can be reached through email at helen at dynamis.com learningacademy.com or by phone at 770-282-9931. Thanks for listening. Bye for now.